0: Welcome to the Brandon Associates uh, podcast, Insurance Banter. Um, In in this episode, you're going to get a really insightful discussion uh, with Brian uh, Falchuk, um, who is the principal of Insurance Evolution Partners. He really works on the uh, future of insurance, what kind of things, what kind of change that you need to experience in order to meet those headwinds that you feel every day in trying to uh, be successful. And uh, it's, as always, led by Chris Burand and I'm Paul Boruk, who will be kind of moderating the discussion today. So with that, we'll jump in. I'm going to turn it over to Chris for a few minutes and and we'll just jump right in. Well, I think, first of all, I got to say, I think we got the, you
1: know, I think Brian uh, logged into the wrong podcast. (laughs) And but um, for someone that's esteemed to be part of this is pretty impressive, but I'm pretty sure it's by accident So. Well, we've got Brian. We're going to keep him, and uh, so thank you very much for being part of the podcast. I did not
2: zoom bomb anything. This was fully intentional. I'm glad to be here.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, you have a great book out there, "The Future of Insurance: From Disruption to Evolution." And I, you know, personally, I really like that concept, the evolution part, because it, that seems more real. Yeah. What made you go down that road of writing the book to begin with?
2: Yeah. And I appreciate you uh, appreciating the title because most of what I get is like, oh, you got it backwards. It was evolution. And now it's disruption. I was <laughs> like, No, no, no. It's about like, look, this is what everyone's talking about, right? This, this moment where the, and I, I'm a, I'm a legacy insurance guy. I spent 20 years on the carrier side. Uh, I've gotten into insure tech since then. But this notion that insurers are dumb and slow and incapable and the industry's broken. There are absolutely things that need to change and we need to do better and be more nimble about. But I wouldn't call anyone in the industry dumb. I wouldn't call us incapable or any of those things. Actually, this is the moment where from the disruptive ideas, the enabling ideas, I would call most of them, this is our chance to evolve, to change. Um, and having spent you know, a, a number of years on the carrier side and, and to do some really cool things in my experience and then going to an insure tech that was serving carriers i kept having these conversations about you know here's this new thing that you can do and it was like everyone was so defeated it's like oh we can't do you know because we got politics or we had the budgeting process or our legacy systems or we're not on the legacy systems but now we can't do anything because we're paying for the the new (laughs) systems and you know or or there's a change freeze because we're trying to get it bedded in or, or whatever it is um or regulation or you know just uh, you know, Paul mentioned headwinds, right? Like headwinds, handcuffs, whatever we wanna call them, we're all living with these things. And I was able to navigate those conversations with each of those carriers or the startup I was at wouldn't still be around and they are and they're doing well. Um, but that's not, I'm not a, a like a, a single, like help a single person kind of person. Um, I wanna make things better for the industry. And that's where the idea of building out something broader to talk to the industry at large hit me is I need to find some carriers who are willing to talk about how they overcame those headwinds and did something innovative, despite everything. And in the face of that disruption, let's inspire the industry to do the same.
1: I love that approach. I really love that approach. And so in your book, you chose seven carriers, right?
2: Yes um so seven seven carriers seven legacy carriers it ended up being that the youngest one is like 104 years old so they're all or like maybe no i think usa was the youngest they're they're about to turn 100 so you know 90 something they're a young kid um but that was kind of the point is like everyone has been in this for a really long time and they're all different they're public they're u.s based they're regional they're international there's one is a a an entity of the state of California. So, you know, when you talk about politics, they have actual politics, like they report to the governor. They have unionized staff. So for all of those headwinds, I wanted to make sure I had an example where someone's like, oh, yeah, we have it so hard. Oh, wait, oh, they have it much harder. Okay, if they can do it, we can do it too. And that's kind of the point, right? These lessons can apply to anyone in any context and whatever excuse we have, that may be a valid reason why it's hard, but it doesn't make it impossible.
1: I love that approach. I really do. And it, then you're taking a, a bit of a different tack with your newest book. That's about to come yeah.
2: About. Well, so as you know, one of the the things that that the incumbents were facing is the the startups, the insure tech carriers, the disruptors, and all the buzz going around there. And the thing I kept hearing is, well, they have it so easy because they had this clean sheet, and you know they they didn't have any of the baggage, or they're outsiders, they don't get it. Um, well, I said, you know, yeah, that a lot of those things are true, and we can talk about that, but I I want to be fair to the whole story and recognize there's another side of that coin. So in the second book which is coming out in uh, in June of 2021, I said, well, let's tell the other the other story. Let's tell the startup story. So there's eight startup carriers and and I say carriers loosely defining that. Some of them are technically still MGAs but they're, you know, on that journey. A lot a lot of these startups start as an MGA cuz of the capital requirements and they turn into carriers and they get capitalized. Um yeah, let's tell the other story and, and what you find is there's some things that are easier there's some things that are a lot harder and whether you're an incumbent or a startup the grass is not green on the other side unless you're in a garden i keep saying that um by the way my lawn looks terrible so if that says anything about me but uh there's lessons in all of it and the lessons aren't just you know the the incumbent stories don't just tell lessons for incumbents and the startups don't just tell lessons for startups the lessons are universal so the two books actually end up going together. And that's why it's volume one and two of a series rather than, you know, it's just another book I put out unrelated. Uh, they re- it's, it's kind of shocking, but they're totally intertwined, regardless of, I said, in, in the closing of the second book, it's like, regardless of whether you're a hundred year old company or 100 minute old company, you still need to pay attention to these points. These are universal truths that will help you succeed.
1: Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, analysis or comparison all you you spend your days um, actually dealing at the front lines with companies new ones and old ones before we started the podcast we, we had a short discussion about a very a very old one and one that's only about a year old
0: Oh absolutely and that old one that you, you know you look at it and and you think they've really <clears throat> missed on uh, what life is like for an agent yeah. you know I think, my most unfavorite word that I hear all the time is partnership. You hear it from all your carriers, partnership, partnership, partnership. Yet it feels like uh, this is where in those type of scenarios, the partnership splits. And uh, instead of having, you know, Smith and Walensky. Now you have Smith and Associates and Walensky and Associates because you don't want to be by that partner at all. But There's no way to get out of that in in the current environment in a lot of ways. So I think that's where as an agency, you look and say, hey, these new carriers coming in or these new entrants, boy, you'd like to work with them. And I think we as an agency have been very, um, had a lot of foresight and tried to work with them, but it's been extremely challenging.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a really interesting conversation point, the, the startups and distribution, because for a number of them, the story was, and, and I got this from the incumbents too, is like, oh, the startups, they don't have to work with all these agents. And, you know, it's, there's some who, who are partners and love their agents. And there's others who behind closed doors clearly are like, well, that's why it's so hard, you know, blame the agents for it. Okay, well, tell me this. Why are some of these startups who came in fully direct are saying, you know what, distribution's really hard. Going direct is really expensive. It's not just a oh, look at the incumbents and they're paying all this commission, that's stupid. We're gonna knock that out and be cheaper. What well, you still have to acquire customers and get market access and that costs money. And they've all found this out. That's why the acquisition costs for almost every startup carrier is way higher than the established ones. So what do they do? They turn on brokers and they turn on agents time and time again. Um, and it's it's famously going against their initial war cry, right? And like, we're going to be direct. And it's like, Gu- guess what? We've now turned on, you know, turned on all these agents and brokers. Um, that to me is just a sign that the channel is completely viable and it has tremendous market access. And some people will go direct and that's fine. Many won't. And that's fine too. And so you can't be, you can't be against or for one of the channels completely because I think, And I warn against this in both, both of the books, the notion of hubris thing that you've solved that you're the savior of the world. You figured it all out and everyone else doesn't get it. And they're all stupid. You know, well, we know on distribution, that's the wrong answer. There are multiple answers. As long as I've been in this industry, the war cry is the internet, no more agents. Like my first day at my first job back at Liberty Mutual in 2000. And none of that's played out right? it shifts, it moves, and we need multiple channels, but you do see a lot of the startups recognizing that. So the channel can't be the problem. It's all of us together. Um, And and yeah, the startups need to be able to work with agents and brokers. Well, as do the legacy players. There's no question of that. No one gets a pass here.
1: I think that's a really good uh, uh, point. No one gets a pass by any means of imagination, not if they want to be successful. as, as some of the people listening to this podcast know, this is the, what I call the season. It's the season for analyzing insurance companies' results and building your strategies as a distributor relative to those carriers on a go forward basis. And it's pretty interesting this year um, because we have had enough time pass to see certain carriers make very definitive changes in their um, strategies, and we're seeing now how it has played out over the last 24 to 36 months. And so it goes along with the evolution. It's not so much a disruption, but they made a choice sometime 24 to 36 months ago to completely change their business model and evolve. Yeah. And one of the points Brian makes that I think everybody, maybe if you you haven't, we haven't, the listeners and I haven't talked in detail it's really a critical point, is customer acquisition cost. I cannot overemphasize to all everybody listening, the carrier people listening or the brokers, agents listening. Carry, uh, client acquisition cost is a critical point that in the past, there wasn't really a metric that people focused on. It's everything today in many different ways. Wouldn't you agree, Brian?
2: Yeah, I, uh. So if you if you follow Covager, I don't think they had this this like weekly or sometimes biweekly or sometimes whenever they got around to it or wanted to do it kind of this week in Coverager like a a video podcast kind of thing. I can't think of a single episode where acquisition cost wasn't at least one of the things they dug or wasn't uh, present in at least one of the the, you know, the weekly news pieces they dug into. And, And a lot of it was around these wake up moments that some of the the pure directs had. Uh, some of the startups going direct around like, oh, actually it's really hard. Um, and, and they always, they dig into Geico's acquisition costs and like the customer lifetime value and why they're so much more efficient, you know, Geico progressive, very similar from an, uh, an efficiency standpoint here. It's worth it for them incrementally to spend at the levels they're spending because of how that engine works. And it's next to impossible for anyone else incumbent or startup actually to compete with that, it's one of the cases in my new book is branch insurance, and uh, this the the CEO Steve Lucas spent most of his career at Allstate. Uh, he led his homeowners business. He built it and, and led it for a while. So you know he, he's an insider. He knows this stuff, and he's like, it's basically become this nuclear arms race, where you know effectively customers' premium is funding this uh, marketing engine to make them churn. You know, there's only so many customers, there's many so, so many purchase moments, and you just need to be considered then. So it's worth spending to try to get considered. But you're then it's like, well, okay, so now Geico's at a billion and a half in advertising spend, well, what's Liberty gonna spend and like, it's just ratcheting up. Um, and that that doesn't quite feel right. But it's huge dollars. So if you think you've got the secret sauce for distribution, just, you know, let's wait and see. Because it's, it's a really of, hard uh, game. Poker game, right?
0: As to who yeah. can... Who's really bluffing.
1: ...act you up the greatest spot, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. I was, was going to say, it's funny that he mentioned uh, Coverager because I was just thinking about that as we started talking about acquisition cost. An email I read earlier this week, they were talking about Metro Mile. yeah, And uh, with what they're spending on marketing sales and things, that they're looking at about $2,500 to acquire one policy yeah. throws off an average annual premium of half that, less than yeah. half of that. Yeah.
2: I think it and, went down to like
0: 11 something hundred dollars. Yeah. And, and I know back in a, in a prior life, looking at uh, lifetime value of a customer from a carrier standpoint, that um, you have a, a bunch of different client customers and it seems that a lot of them that are going direct don't have quite the lifetime value that the ones that, that you acquire through the agency channel did. Yeah. And so you're spending a whole lot of money to acquire clients that aren't really as valuable. And if you don't get that balance right, man, you want to talk about capital destruction. There's some <laughs> there's some folks that are really, really, really good yeah. at that. It. Yeah, it's, you know... it.
2: it I think as people, we try to be reductionist with the reasons for it's why people like this is the, you know, just eat kale, and you'll live forever. Or if you, if you just use this piece of exercise equipment for this long, then you know, you'll get that beach body, like we always look for the one thing. So um, you would you need to pick apart? Well, what are those carriers that are not doing as well on the lifetime value? Are they monoline? Are they multi line? What are the multi lines? What's their pricing position? So, you know, Geico progressive, both go through both channels. They don't really talk about the non-direct stuff, but Progressive eats a ton of volume from the, the agencies that they're in because they're so easy to work with. The CSRs just shove stuff into Progressive because they know it'll close quickly, it'll be cheap enough, people know the brand name, and I can get on to everything else that's on my plate, which is too much to begin with. Um, but you look at it and it's like, well, because of their efficiency, their pricing is gonna be low, which means they're gonna get a chance to be stickier unless they screw something up. Versus maybe some of these other players, the pricing's not right, or they're monoline. And so in essence, as that account matures and they acquire other assets and they need more lines of business, you're introducing a reason for them to attrite. You're you're telling them, like, you need to go build a relationship with someone else, and that's going to be monoline. And guess what's going to happen? They're probably not going to be a monoline homeowners or renters or auto or whatever player. They're going to want to round out. So you're asking a competitor to take your customers from you. So you have to, and if you have an agent, maybe they can make that smoother. So you know you're not asking them to then enter this whole other relationship with someone else who's trying to sell them everything. If they're in in the agency's house, the agent has rounded out that account, so the need to attract isn't there because you don't have anywhere else to go. You're already working with someone who's got you covered on all those bases. So I I think there's a lot to pick apart and we don't necessarily know. I I don't know that there's a a single thing at the heart of it, but it is complex. And what do you need when things get complex? You need someone to help navigate that for you. And that's, that's why the channel exists.
1: That is best said. I think I I don't think I've ever heard it said better than that. I don't even know what I said. So I'm going to go back and listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really powerful to say, dear carriers, you need someone to help you navigate the customer relationship. Well, so I think you
2: do, and I think um, one of the the CEOs of an incumbent that I was talking to, um, he said they, they're they're strictly distributed through agencies, and they've had a great relationship there. And they said, what we've realized is you can't be you can't be uh, single channel anymore. Or if you do, you have to accept that that means there's a piece of the market that you can't touch and that's okay. Like that could be part of your strategy and that's totally fine. But, um, I do think if we've learned anything in the past you know, year, 18 months, whatever, uh, I've completely lost track of time that we've all been remote on everything, people want to work how they want to work. And they want to work with you the way they want to work with you. And if you're not willing to have multiple methods for them to do that, that may mean that you lose out, and that may mean that people leave you. Now, it may mean other people come to you. So it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a negative on the whole. But I think you should be fully aware of those things. Um, so if someone wants to go direct and you don't have a direct offering, that's okay. Just be aware of that. That may mean that there comes a time when they wanna go that route and they're not gonna stay with you as a result of that. Um, same thing on the, the agent side, someone may get to a point in their life like, this is too much, I can't, I don't understand this. Like, can I just hand it to someone and trust them to do it? Or, you know, I know this guy, he's my neighbor, I trust him, he's, you know, he could take care of this for me and like, so I, w- I want him to do it. Oh, but I'm with Carrier X who's only direct, so I'm gonna leave them because i i want to hand this to someone else to handle you know it's why financial planners exist and all that um so i think it's just recognizing or maybe it's about the tools so you know i know a carrier who was very proud of the fact that they did everything in person they would go to your house with paper for you to sign or with a paper check and they prided themselves on that you know we will knock on your door and we'll be there for you and then the pandemic hit and their point of pride meant. They have zero business, zero service, zero anything that can happen because that was their pure model. You need to be able to flex. And so maybe you need different tools in your agent's hands, even if you're only going through the agent channel uh, because people need to transact differently, you know? So it, it it's a really, to me, it's a multifaceted point and that's why it's evolution because it's not like, We just suddenly had this one thing change about us as as creatures like lots of things change and evolve people look a bit different today than they did a few hundred or thousand years ago or whatever um so lots change and flows over time as the demands of the world that we're in change Uh, and that's that's why that word evolution sticks with me and um and i think it's one like i don't think the industry needs to be replaced i don't think the legacies carriers will all die and the startups will put them down or or vice versa. Um, I think it it is much more about an ecosystem and collaboration and just being mindful of there's an environment we exist in. So how are we reshaping our offering to match the demands of that environment? And God knows that environment has shifted dramatically over the past year or so. Um, I'm just surprised when I hear carriers who are like, oh good, we're gonna go back to the way we were or like we've changed, we're done now. There's no done now. If, If you wanna be done now, guess what? You are done now. Or maybe in like six seven years you'll be gone. Um, that notion is over. So is a new mindset. You cannot rest on your lo- on your laurels in a way that you might have been able to get away with before.
0: Sure, absolutely, Paul. Final words, thoughts. I would just say this is I've been, I've enjoyed the conversation, especially because a lot of the times you, as an agency, you hear oh the client's going to go direct. There's all these new startups. You're going to lose customers. Yeah. And and I've never really felt like that was the case, but I do like uh, Brian's use of the word evolve so much because I think as an agency, some of the things we touched on, you're in it to make a profit, not just a sale. And in order to make that profit, you really need to understand your customer understand who it is that you are that you are selling to and and can really work with. And I know, Chris, that was the one thing uh, using that word, our unit to make a profit or a sale. I heard that from you very first, and it's it's been impactful for what we try to do as an agency to really get out there and find the clients that work for us and that we work for them. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. That's yeah, great. Thank, thank you. you, guys. And I, I'd
1: like to part with uh, staying with Evolve for all the listeners, we're talking about evolution, not from a Darwinistic perspective, maybe. But what I keep hearing Brian say is, let's evolve by thinking through what needs to happen. Yeah. Let's dedicate some brain cells to actually sitting down and thinking through instead of sitting back and describing what's happening around us. Is that a fair? Yeah. 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 There's no meteor
2: coming for us. We can all see what's going on. We're participating. I mean, it's hitting us in our daily lives as people outside of the industry. So let's right. think about that. What would you pull in? What do you you know, what are you thankful for in the new ways that things work? Might that apply in in your offering out to your customers and you're working with your agent partners? Paul, yeah. used that word, um, you know, like there, it's a collaborative thing if we allow it to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well thank you so much for your time Brian this has been this has been awesome I'm I'm really glad you logged into the to the, wrong, to the wrong podcast <laughs> today um,
0: appreciate it very much thanks for and, having and, us And and Brian you your book's coming out you said in in July In June journal, yeah
2: June 22nd and it's June up for pre-order now if people are hearing this before then Okay um, and they can get it on Amazon or uh, it'll be print audible kindle the the whole nine or you can go to future-of-insurance.com You get both books that way. i link out to Amazon and all that from there. So just future-of-insurance.com.
0: Okay. Brian and Chris, thank you so very much. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks. Thank you.